You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From science and technology to grants and genealogy, our library is virtually an information galaxy. This library is yours and this library. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast, the episode for the month of May 2020. Sadly, we are still under lockdown here in the state of New Jersey, and the doors to our library are still closed until further notice. But we are still able to help keep our patrons informed, enriched, and entertained during this time, and we're going to tell you all the different ways we can do that throughout this episode. Our teen librarian, Karen, is going to talk about some of her favorite audiobooks, as well as one of her favorite audiobook narrators. We have Gina and Jessica doing another installment of their Livy Lit series to talk about what they've been reading during lockdown. Our librarian, Archana, is going to talk about some of the great foreign language films that you can stream online with your Livingston Library card. The head of our youth services department, Anna, is going to talk about The Plot Against America, the Philip Roth book that was recently turned into an HBO series. And she'll also talk about anti-Semitism and other forms of hatred and bigotry that are sadly still widespread in America today. And later on, the head of our adult services department, Katie and I are gonna talk about some of our favorite TV shows at the moment, like What We Do in the Shadows and Top Chef. But first, since I'm sure All of us could use as much relaxation and calming as we can during this time. Our librarian, Hong Mei, is going to share some of her favorite calming, soothing, meditative music that you can listen to online with your Livingston Library card. Hello, everyone. This is Hong Mei. During this time of uncertainty, listening to relaxing, calm, and meditation music quiets my mind, calms my anxiety, and relaxes my muscles. Did you know on Hoopla, you can find hundreds of relaxing music to listen to? Since we are only allowed to check out 15 items per month, it is important to type the right keywords to narrow your search among the hundreds listed. I compiled a playlist of relaxing, calm, and meditation music on Hoopla, which is scheduled to be published on Livingston Library's blog on May 21st. I hope this is a good guideline for you. There are many types of relaxing music. One kind I like is the sound of nature. Listening to the forest, river, and waterfall are all great for mindfulness relaxation. Type in the keywords relaxing music nature sounds, you will find the right records. One of my favorite songs of nature from my playlist is called 
relaxing music with nature sound. Now let's listen to song number eight, Spring Garden. When I listen to it, I feel like I'm walking slowly along the garden, enjoying beautiful flowers and plants, while the sun is shining upon me and the birds are chirping. Another kind of music is spa, relaxation, yoga, and easy listening. Type in these keywords, you'll find the records. This kind of music brings me inner stillness and tranquility. I feel soothed, and my stress is released. I'm calm, relaxed, and peaceful after listening. Now let's listen to the song entitled. Best of relaxing music, song number nine, calming breath. The last type I would like to introduce to you today is music that gives you positive energy. Chakra music, Zen music, healing music, and meditation music all bring you positive energy. Now let us listen to the song on my playlist called "Quantum Theta Waves," song number nine, "Relaxed and Quiet Mind." When I listen to it. I feel the positive energy is falling upon me like hot water running through my body. You've enjoyed today's listening. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hongmei. Yes, I do feel so much more relaxed after hearing that music. And now, next up is our teen librarian Karen. She's going to talk about some of her favorite audio books and one of her favorite audio book narrators. Hello, this is Karen DeWildy, and I'm the teen librarian at the Livingston Public Library. Because this is a podcast, I thought I would talk to you about audiobooks. Often, when I'm reading a print copy of a book, 
I'll get a copy of the audio. That way, when I have to stop reading to do something like, say, fold the laundry or exercise, note how I put those two things in the same category. Anyway, if I have to put my book down, I can switch over to the audio and keep listening to the story. However, there are times when I go straight to the audio, and often that's because I really like the work of a certain narrator. For example, I will listen to just about anything that's read by Stephen Fry. Currently, one of my favorite narrators is Bonnie Turpin. I was listening to The Sun is Also a Star by Nicole Yoon, and that's a young adult love story. And I was noticing how good the narrator was. And I thought, you know, she sounds really familiar. So I did a little Google search and I realized that she in fact has read so many young adult bestsellers, including The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. She also has read a lot of adult bestsellers, including Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad and The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Skloot. She was also part of the full cast recording of The Help. In fact, Bonnie Turpin has read over a hundred audiobooks and she's won multiple awards. What I really like about her reading is that she gives voice to many different characters and she also is a very nuanced reader. So you can feel the emotion behind what she's saying, but she never overwhelms the text. If you're using our Libby app or Hoopla to get audiobooks, you can search by narrator. If you typed the narrator's name into the search box, you'll get a listing of the things they've read. So if you'd like to find works by Bonnie Turpin, you can type her name, B-A-H-N-I-T-U-R-P-I-N, into the search box. Happy listening. Thank you so much, Karen. And now it's time for Livy Lit where Gina and Jessica will talk about what they've been reading lately. Ladies? Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast edition of Livy Lit. I'm Jessica. And I'm Gina, and today we're going to talk about what we've been reading. So, Jess, what have you been reading? So, I recently read a book called A Change in Altitude by Cindy Myers. It's available for you to download on Hoopla Digital if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was given to me as a physical copy, as a gift, and I let it sit in my to-read pile for a ridiculously long time. And I think mainly because I wasn't crazy about the cover. The cover has a lot of trees and mountains on it, and I think I'm drawn more to books that are more beachy or just not with mountains. Mm-hmm. But I was actually really pleasantly surprised because I really enjoyed it. It was a quick read. It was about a woman who's like, running away from her ex-husband to Colorado, and it, and it just really kept my interest. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think a lot of times, like, as librarians, we're told not to judge books by their covers, but it was a reminder that sometimes we do. Right. What's inside isn't always what's on the outside. Well, that's a good message. Yeah. What have you been reading? So I just finished this amazing book titled The Lost Scroll of the Physician by Alicia Sabigny. 
She's a um, Canadian author, and this book was so much fun. It's a middle-grade novel, also available as a digital download on Hoopla. And the book has everything. It has adventure and mystery and history, and it was set in ancient Egypt. And there's also storylines of family and friendship and even just a hint of romance Nothing inappropriate for the kids. It was um, it was a perfect book to read while home because it really helped take my mind off of things that are going on, and I became immersed in this story. It was very well written, and I can't wait to read the next book in the series. It's the first book in a series. We discussed it last night in our online Extreme Readers Book Club, and the author actually came into our um, meeting to join us. So that was really a lot of fun. Yeah. I bet we, the kids love that. Yeah, they did. And so did I. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So the next book that we're reading is in honor of Asian Pacific Heritage Month. And it's a graphic novel written by the actor George Takai. And the title is They Called Us Enemy, and it is available as a bonus selection on Hoopla. And it's about the author's experience in the Japanese internment camps during World War II. So I'm looking forward to reading that as well. That's really interesting. I think everybody will enjoy it and learn a lot from it. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that's their takeaway from it. So... Until next time, thanks for joining us and happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Gina and Jessica. And up next, here's Archana to talk about some of the great films from around the world that you can watch with your Livingston Library card on Hoopla. Hello, listeners. After weeks of being stuck at home, have you maxed out on Netflix, Hulu, and other services with all their offerings? Why not take your viewing game up a notch by streaming a foreign language film via Hoopla? You may not be too inclined to watch a foreign language film, especially because of the effort involved in reading the dialogues. But although they will push you out of your comfort zone, one big reason to consider watching them is that they can introduce you to a variety of perspectives. They can show you a very different view of the world. You can get a glimpse of the values and facets of the culture and society being portrayed. And despite the differences, what will surely come across is how much the majority of humanity shares in common. Here are a few of my picks of the foreign language films available on Hoopla. Of course, be assured they all have subtitles in English. The first is the feel-good French language film, Amélie. This is a fanciful comedy about a young woman who discreetly orchestrates the lives of the people around her, creating a world exclusively of her own making. A painfully shy waitress working at a tiny Paris cafe, she makes a surprising discovery and sees her life drastically changed for the better. From then on, she dedicates herself to helping others find happiness in the most delightfully unexpected ways. But will she have the courage to do for herself what she has done for others? Shot in over 80 locations in Paris, this is a thoughtful, charming and whimsical film that is sure to bring a smile to your face. My second choice is the Spanish-language film Amores Perros, nominated 
for the Best Foreign Language Film Academy Award and the winner of many. This is a Mexican crime drama constructed as a triptych. It contains three distinct stories connected by a car accident in Mexico City. The stories center on a teenager in the slums who gets involved in dogfighting, a model who seriously injures her leg, and a mysterious hitman. The stories are linked in various ways, including the presence of dogs in each of them. This movie makes for an emotional, intense, and compelling watch. Next, we move on to a film in Mandarin called Hero. This is a visually arresting martial arts epic set in ancient China, where an unnamed fighter, starring Jet Li, is being honored for defeating three of the king's most dangerous enemies. When he recounts his battles with the enemies, the king begins to question some of the details. And as he goes on, the king challenges the tales, interjecting his own take on these perhaps suspect version of events. This visually spectacular film became the first Chinese language movie to place number one at the American box office. We then move on to a, f- a film in Hindi called Mukti Bhavan, translated as Hotel Salvation. Now, this is a very different f- movie from the mainstream big-budget Bollywood films with big-name stars. This has more focus on the story and the characters. It has received awards at festivals and won universal critical acclaim. Now, in this, uh, an ominous dream convinces 77-year-old Dayanand Kumar that his end could be near. He takes the news to his son, Rajiv, knowing he wants to breathe his last in the holy city of Varanasi and end the cycle of rebirth by attaining salvation. Now, his son is left with no choice but to drop everything and make the journey with his stubborn father and check into the Hotel Salvation in Varanasi. It's a guest house devoted to people to die there. But as the days go by, Rajiv struggles to juggle his responsibilities back home while the father starts to bloom in the hotel. Rajiv gives his father a shot at salvation, but as family bonds are tested, he finds himself torn, not knowing what he must do to keep his life together. This is a tender, perceptive and beautifully filmed movie, and it tells a father-son story whose universal themes are further enriched by the picturesque setting. Next, I have on the list a Persian language film from Iran called Fireworks Wednesday. This is a gripping, suspenseful domestic drama, a story of marital intrigue and betrayal set against the backdrop of the Persian New Year. Ruhi, a young bride-to-be, is hired as a maid for an affluent family in Tehran. Upon arriving, she is suddenly thrust into an explosive domestic conflict. The wife is convinced her husband is having an affair with a recently divorced woman living next door and enlists Ruhi as a spy to follow her husband and confirm her suspicions. What Ruhi discovers threatens not only their marriage but her own future. This movie has won a lot of critical acclaim. Next, there's a Japanese film called Sweet Bean. Sweet Bean is a delicious red bean, red bean paste, the sweetheart of the doriaki pancakes that Sentaro sells from his little bakery to a small but loyal clientele. Now, when 76-year-old eccentric lady responds to his ad for an assistant and cheerfully offers to work for a low wage, Sentaro is skeptical about her ability to endure the long hours. But when she shows up early one morning and reveals to him the secret, Sentaro agrees to take her on. Sentaro's business begins to flourish, but the lady is affected with an illness that once revealed drives her into isolation once again. Now this was a slow-moving but a deeply touching story about daily life. It shows how the old woman opens the eyes of the man to the complexity of life.
Lastly, I have another feel-good movie, Life is Beautiful, La Vita e Bella in Italian. This is an award-winning film directed by and starring Roberto Benigni, in which he plays a Jewish-Italian bookshop owner who employs his fertile imagination and sense of humor to shield his son from the horrors of internment in a Nazi concentration camp. This is a perfect blend of happiness and sadness in the span of 2 hours in the film and it shows the indomitability of the human spirit. So, when traveling to foreign lands right now is almost impossible. Try to do so by watching a foreign language film from the comfort of your favorite couch or armchair at home using your Livingston library card. Thank you. Thank you very much, Archana. And up next, we have Anna, the head of our Youth Services Department, with a segment called The Plot Against America, a contextual reading for teens and adults. Anna? Hello, this is Anna, the head of Youth Services at Livingston Public Library. The Plot Against America is now a popular HBO series that many of us are watching. Before Plot Against America was a TV show, it was an international best-selling book written by Philip Roth, a New Jersey native. Written in 2004, this book is available to borrow as an e-book on Overdrive and as an audiobook on Hoopla with your Livingston Library card. Philip Roth wrote a New York Times article in 2004 entitled The Story Behind the Plot Against America, explaining where he got the inspiration for the plot against America. Roth wrote In December of 2000, I was reading the bound proofs of Arthur Schlesinger's autobiography and found myself especially interested in his description of the events in the late 1930s and early 1940s as they impinged on his life as a young man traveling in Europe and then back in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Even before I started school, I already knew something about Nazi anti-Semitism. and the American anti-Semitism that was being stoked one way or another by eminent figures like Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh. I came upon a sentence in which Schlesinger notes that there were some Republican isolationists who wanted to run Lindbergh for president in 1940. That's all there was. That one sentence with its reference to Lindbergh and to a fact that I not known about him. It made me think, what if they had and i wrote the question in the margin between writing down the question and the fully evolved book there were 3 years of work and that's how the idea came to me to read the full new york times article visit livingstonlibrary.org scroll down to digital resources and click the rectangle that says newspapers and magazines then click new york times outside the library to link free access to the New York Times to your account. You will need a Livingston Library card and a free New York Times online account to complete this process. At the end of the Plot America book, Roth includes a postscript with a timeline and documentation on Charles Lindbergh and other historical figures in the book. Some of the anti-Semitic language used by Charles Lindbergh in the book is pulled from actual speeches by Lindbergh. To learn more about Charles Lindbergh, read The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh by Cadence Fleming on Overdrive. The United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington D.C. has materials online about the rise of anti-Semitism in the 1930s and 1940s. 
and America's response to anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. Some United States Holocaust Memorial Museum resources include the article, How Did the United States Government and American People Respond to Nazism? The video, Confronting the Holocaust, American Responses. And the recent panel, Hate and Its Impact, Sowing the Seeds of Global Antisemitism. For more online resources on the history of anti-Semitism and how to confront hatred, prevent genocide, and promote human dignity, please visit the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum's website at www.ushmm.org. Go to their menu in the upper left corner. Then click Learn or Teach, and you will find online articles and videos. In Part 2 of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum's panel series, Hate and Its Impact, Nazi Ideology and Racism in the Jim Crow South, speakers discuss the similarities between the racist ideologies in both Nazi Germany and the Jim Crow South. American poet Langston Hughes also noted these similarities in his poem, Beaumont to Detroit, 1943, which is available in the book, The Collected Poems of Langston Hughes, edited by Arnold Rampersad. I have that poem here and we'll read it now. Beaumont to Detroit, 1943, by Langston Hughes. Looky here, America, look what you done done. Let things drift until the riots come. Now you're policemen, let your mobs run free. I reckon you don't care, nothing about me. You tell me that Hitler is a mighty bad man. I guess he took lessons from the Ku Klux Klan. You tell me Mussolini's got an evil heart. Well, it must have been in Beaumont that he had his start, because everything that Hitler and Mussolini do, Negroes get the same treatment from you. You Jim Crowed me before Hitler rose to power, and you're still Jim Crowing me right now, this very hour. Yet you say we're fighting for democracy, then why don't democracy include me? I ask you this question because I want to know how long I got to fight both Hitler and Jim Crow. Superman joined the fight against hate in 1946. Superman was created as a comic book character in 1938 by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, two Jewish boys from Cleveland, Ohio. The Adventures of Superman became a popular syndicated radio show, and in 1946, Superman became the first U.S. superhero to battle bigotry. To learn more about this, read Superman vs. the Ku Klux Klan the true story of how the iconic superhero battled the men of hate by Richard Bowers, available as an audiobook on Overdrive. To learn more about the history of racism in the U.S., there is the Young Reader book Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, a remix of the National Book Award-winning Stamped from the Beginning by Jason Reynolds and Ibram Kendi, available on Overdrive. This is a remix of the adult books, How to Be an Anti-Racist, available on Overdrive, and Stamped from the Beginning, also on Overdrive. Happening at the same time in the United States was the internment of Japanese Americans. 
To learn more about this, read Uprooted, The Japanese-American Experience During World War II, available on Overdrive, and George Takei's graphic novel memoir, They Called Us Enemy, available on Hoopla with your Livingston Library card. We often learn about the above three histories, World War II and the Holocaust, Jim Crow, and the Japanese internment, as though they were separate historical events, when in fact they are interconnected. Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. were both born in 1929. Though younger, George Takei, who was born in 1937, was 10 years old when The Diary of Anne Frank was first published, and 26-year-old when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famous I Have a Dream speech during the March on Washington. We have more allies than we think, and we can come together to confront hatred and promote human dignity. Confronting hatred and talking about racism can feel difficult, but there are resources to get started. Available on audiobook on Hoopla and ebook on Overdrive is the book So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Oluo. Also available on Overdrive is the book White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo. Thank you so much for that, Anna. You can read a text version of that piece Anna just read up on our blog, which is at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. It was posted on April 27th of 2020. You can find it there, or you can just search for Plot Against America in the search bar. And that contains the text of the piece, along with links to all the sources Anna mentions there. And again, that's blog.livingstonlibrary.org. You can see that piece, along with so much other great content posted by our librarians just for our Livingston Library patrons. And now, for the final segment of this episode of L-Town Radio, I'm joined by Katie, the head of our Adult Services and Acquisitions Department. Katie and I recently learned during quarantine that we like a lot of the same TV shows, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that for a few minutes. One of the shows we both love is What We Do in the Shadows. It's on FX and uh, on Hulu the next day. It comes from a a movie that came out about six years ago called What We Do in the Shadows. It was uh, co-written by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, who has since become a huge Hollywood player. He directed Thor Ragnarok. Uh, He did an episode of The Mandalorian. He's going to do a new Star Wars movie soon and recently won an Oscar for writing Jojo Rabbit. And yeah, so... What We Do in the Shadows, the series, like the movies, based on um, the lives of some vampire roommates who live in a big gothic house. Uh, in the show, they live on Staten Island. Um, most of them are traditional vampires. One of them uh, is what's called an energy vampire, who I'm sure many of you recognize from your daily life, who doesn't literally suck your blood, but kind of just sucks your life energy by being boring and corny. Um, and yeah, I'm loving the season so far. What do you think, Katie? Uh, I'm absolutely loving it. It is, I think, really hard to maintain quality season after season, but so far two seasons in, um, I'm impressed that season two has exactly the same amount of humor and 
twisted heart, I guess, if that's the way to put it, because at, at the heart of the show, there is this, this core love that the vampires have for each other, even though they won't admit it. But so much of their interactions are what makes the show so funny and so rewarding. And it's one of those shows that builds each episode on these interactions so that, you know, by episode 12, you have these jokes and these shared experiences. And I think that really gives the show the flavor and the success that it's had so far. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, in, in many ways, it, it's kind of like The Office because it's a mockumentary and it has very dry humor sometimes. But but like The Office, it also, you know, has this kind of camaraderie underneath it uh, that really pulls you in. And what, on the other hand, one thing that's kind of stuck out for me this season is uh, I was reminded of how genuinely scary it is for me sometimes. Like, you know, because... Most of it's very funny and kind of dry and sometimes absurd, but then like Haley Joel Osment uh, will be running up the walls as a zombie and I'm laughing, but at the same time, I'm like, this image is going to haunt my dreams for a while. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really tricky to do to kind of be funny one second and then kind of just blindside you with something that's really terrifying. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There were a lot of moments of, of violence that are just very humorous, but you're also, it's, it's unsettling, <laughs> but you're, <Yeah. laughs> especially the episode with Haley Joel Osment and, you know, all the different ways that his transformation, spoiler alert, transformation into a zombie was happening. And it was, uh, yeah, it got dark, got real dark. So yeah, uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, again, it's on FX and Hulu. If you want to check out the original movie, what we do in the shadows, it is actually available on Hoopla. Um, if you have a Livingston Library card, you can watch it for free there. Um, and along with a bunch of other movies by Taika Waititi. Um, have you have you seen many of these movies? Uh, I actually have not. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Is that how you say it? Wilder People? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always been on my to-watch list, but I actually haven't gotten around to it. I love Sam Neill, so I, I should really just sit down and watch it, but I have not. Have you seen any of these? Uh, I have, I haven't seen any of the ones that are currently on Hoopla. You know, I've seen Thor Ragnarok and the, and Jojo Rabbit and, but I'm, I'm really excited to kind of go deep dive into Taika Waititi's early stuff like Eagle versus Shark, which Jermaine Clement is also in, uh, looks really cool. Um, there's also Seven Stages to Achieve Eternal Bliss, which is described as a small-town couple finds the perfect apartment in the big city, except there's one catch. The apartment is home to the ritualistic suicides of a deranged cult. Yeah, that sounds so similar to the premise, but still different enough that I'm sure it's probably really hilarious in its own right. Another thing on Hoopla I want to point out to our Livingston Library cardholders um, there's an album by Norma Tenega, who does the theme song for What We Do in the Shadows. And I remember first seeing the movie like five years ago or whenever it was. And as soon as that theme song played, I'm like, who is this singer? I want to hear everything she's ever done. And uh, so, yeah, I, can, I highly recommend her album. It's called Walkin' My Cat Named Dog. It's available on Hoopla. It's a great folk album from the late 60s. 
And I will say that once you hear that song, it is never going to be out of your head. I walk around my house singing it constantly. My husband and I sing it to each other. We sing it to our cats. It is just, <laughs> you can't get enough of that song once you've heard it. Yeah. Uh, and I see also you have as uh, a reader like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I haven't read this one. Have you, have you read that one? Um, Full disclosure, I know it's in the same vein, but I am not super into Jane Austen to begin with, so I was never really interested in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, um, but I have read other Seth Graham Smith stuff, so it's it's definitely that similar type of a, a classic tale with a little bit of a folklore twist. I do own the book, but I just haven't read it. Right. And yeah, that, that one is available on Libby to our Livingston Library members. And um, all right, so now we can move on to the other show that Katie and I share love for, Top Chef. Um, I, I'm i not much of a chef myself. My, my wife does most of the cooking and she's great at it. So we like to watch it together. I, I love watching it uh, because I love food, because I love Padma Lakshmi, she's the loveliest human on earth, Absolutely. in my opinion. So what do you think of the season so far, Katie? I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, full disclosure, I have watched Top Chef every season since the first season it premiered. When I do admit I wasn't quite sure I understood the premise because cooking competitions were kind of a novelty when Top Chef first came out. It kind of paved the way. So there was a lot of me being like, well, what's the point of watching a cooking show if I can't taste the food? <laughs> but um, I really got into it. So this being an all-star season has really been a good payoff for all the seasons and getting to reconnect with all the chefs. Um, I think they're all really strong competitors. And on a personal note, it has been really nice when I'm stuck at home doing all my own cooking. Um, you know, my husband and I are cooking together and trying, you know, to make a, a thing of it each night. But it's it's really nice when we're missing that going out and eating and experiencing food that we're not cooking ourselves. And I'm, I'm getting that from <laughs> Top Chef. Yeah. The most recent episode was Restaurant Wars, which is usually my favorite episode of any Top Chef season. Um, it was it was sad to see Kevin go home because uh, he's a good chef and um, yeah. you know, I, most weeks I'm pulling for Malarkey to go home. I gotta be honest. He, he, he's, he's a very talented chef, but I don't know, something about him just kind of irks me sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, I was actually going to point out Malarkey because he was so, uh, you know, full of himself until this episode. And I read somewhere online that, it was like a, a Reddit thread of who's the most successful top chef contestant. And everyone was saying malarkey because apparently he's opened like 15 restaurants or oh, something wow. crazy. And within the restaurant community, he's actually like super well-respected and super well-known. Um, and I, that kind of just blew me away, but seeing him do so well as front of the house, which is a notoriously difficult position on restaurant wars, um, mm -hmm really kind of drove home that, yeah, he's, he's here for a reason because he's good at what he does, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to like his personality. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I actually, I got a kick out of it at, at the beginning of restaurant wars when they were picking the teams and, and Gregory who ended up, his restaurant ended up winning and he's been winning a lot. Um, he had, his first pick was Malarkey and it was funny how Padma kind of looked at him and it's like, why? 
Yeah. <laughs> what are you and, doing? <laughs> uh, and and Gregory was like, uh, he's going to be front of house. And it ended up being a really good strategy. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you are into Top Chef like Katie and I are, there's also a lot of great books you can check out online with your Livingston Library card from uh, Hoopla and from Libby. Um, the one the one I highly recommend is Appetites by Anthony Bourdain. Um, I was a big fan of of his, um, you know, and of course he sadly passed away a couple years ago. But he has this book, Appetites, that's described as a home cooking, home entertaining cookbook like no other, with personal favorites from Anthony Bourdain's own kitchen and from his travels, translated into an effective battle plan that will help you terrify your guests with <laughs> your breathtaking efficiency. Sounds like him. Which is a, a wonderful Bourdain-like blurb. Um, Katie, are there any books on, on Hoopla or Libby that you can recommend for Top Chef fans? Um, I found another, looks like a cooking show um, in Cannes. It was a, it's like the Canadian Top Chef. It's called Chef School. And 12 wannabe professional chefs arrive in Stratford to start the intensely grueling two-year program at Canada's most prestigious culinary arts academy. Um, so that, I think, is a, a good alternative for TV stuff. But if you're looking for a comic, there's a, a cute little comic called Brave Chef Brianna, um, who has big cooking dreams. And when her ailing restaurateur father um, poses a challenge to his only daughter and 15 sons, she seizes the opportunity. So if you're looking for something other than a traditional ebook, the comic could be a good alternative. Cool. And yeah, also there's plenty of books uh, by Top Chef personalities. We have on Libby, Yes Chef, a memoir by Marcus Samuelson. Um, Love, Loss, and What We Ate, a memoir by the great Padma Lakshmi, and Tom Colicchio's Top Chef, the cookbook, with uh, recipes by contestants from the show. Um, I haven't personally read any of these yet, but once Top Chef is over, I'm sure I'm going to tear through at least a couple of these. Yeah, I actually have, I think, um, one of the physical car, uh, copies of Top Chef, the cookbook, and um, I think I have a, they put out one or two of them and they're, they're really nicely done. And you can actually just recreate the recipes that they did for quick fires and elimination rounds at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this segment and for this episode of L-Town Radio. Thanks very much, Katie, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks also to Hong Mei and Karen, Gina and Jessica, Archana and Anna for all their contributions. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll Listen again next month when we have our next episode. In the meantime, you can always stay in touch with the Livingston Public Library in so many ways online. Our website, livingstonlibrary.org. Our blog at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. And you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast online through SoundCloud, through Google, through Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And till next time, be safe and be kind. <laughs>